They are going crazy. Welcome to episode 19 of the Touchdown Podcast. As it stands, we're just 17 weeks from the 2020 NFL season, and while the league is entering what should now be a relatively quiet period, there are still a couple of really intriguing free agents available in the NFL, and that is what we're going to discuss here today. As always, I'm your host, Ben Rolf, who you can find on Twitter at BenRolf15 and at the Touchdown NFL, and with me tonight to break it all down, we have two of our team of superb NFL writers. First up, we have our resident Jets fan, Tom Scott, who you can find at Down the Manny Road on Twitter. How are you doing tonight, Tom? Not too bad. Um, been a while since I've been on. I think the last time I was on was was a few few nights before the draft, so it it feels like a while. Um, not a lot has changed in the world of lockdown for me, but uh, looking forward to looking through some of the free agents and hopefully maybe trying to trying to find some landing spots for them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It's a there's a couple of interesting names, then there's a few a, a few more abstract names. So it, it'll be interesting to see who you guys think towards the deeper end could still be useful pieces out there right now. So also with us tonight is one of our Buccaneer fans, Steve Moore, who you can find on Twitter at Steve Moore, Steve underscore Moore 1988. How's it going, Steve? Uh, not too bad. I think the same as everybody considering lockdown, but we'll, I think we're all surviving at the minute. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's just about getting through, isn't it, at the moment? So it's all good as far as I'm concerned as long as uh, everything, everyone is healthy and everybody is okay, that's good with me. Of course, with us as always, he's not going to be on the mic tonight, but we've always got to, got to give a shout out to our hardworking behind the scenes producer and head of analytics, Alex Chinnery. He may dive in if he really feels he needs to uh, correct us on something, which uh, you, you may have heard him do if you're a regular with this podcast. He likes to come in and correct me when I'm wrong. It's his favourite part of the night. So, I mean, I'm jumping right. in. I'm jumping in now quickly. Just to, I love being called hardworking when I'm laying here with my feet up, listening to you guys just chat it up about the NFL. It's it's quite nice actually. So keep the compliments like that coming. Right, that's the end of the credit for Alex. Um, let's now dive in and discuss the available free agents. And there is really only one place to start, and that is with Jadevian Clowney, who played under the franchise tag with the Seahawks last year after being traded from the Texans. Prior to free agency, there was expected to be plenty of interest in Clowney. But a market is yet to fully materialise for the former number one overall pick. Steve, do you have any idea why we haven't seen a player of such talent sign anywhere yet? Uh, well, in this current situation, the reason why quite a lot of players haven't been signed that might have been, um, in essence, we're mainly talking about quarterbacks in that, that regard, which obviously we'll talk about later, is injury. But it, injuries haven't been as much of an issue with Crowley, obviously. but I think if you look at him, there has been a slightly drop off of his production slightly whenever he's been away from a 3-4 defense. But there's so much hybrid going on. There should, as we were discussing before we came on, there should be plenty of spaces around the league for him. It just seems slightly unusual, unusual why he hasn't been signed. Now, I'd appreciate that if you weren't going to necessarily sign him because you had your eyes on somebody in the draft, maybe. But And then, obviously, you might as well not sign until after the deadline for compensation picks. But the fact there's still not really a market yet is a little bit shocking. Yeah, it's been really interesting because he wasn't... He, his numbers didn't pop off the page last year with the Seahawks the way they, they did with Houston. I mean, 
I always like to just look at for a rough idea the approximate value statistics that Pro Football Reference put together based on a load of their numbers that they have. And in his final three years at Houston, he scored 13, 10 and 11. And then for contrast, last year, he dropped all the way down to six. Now, he played a few less games, but even on a per game basis, he, he was still down. His quarterback hits had dropped. His pressures dropped last year a little bit. Um, just in general, we saw a slight dip in that production. And, and to only return with three sacks, 31 tackles, and he was up on force fumbles, but... And, and interceptions, but his sort of his overall game didn't really come out in Seattle last year. Tom, do you think that there are still teams out there that can get the best out of Clowney, or do you think at this stage that there's just not enough need for him right now? I think there'll be a lot of teams that that would be interested in Clowney, but but at the right price. I think that's been Seattle's position throughout the whole whole scenario. I don't see why. Seattle would bring Clowney in for just that that one year in 2019. So from my point of view, I think something's gone wrong uh, as negotiations have have continued. I think asking for $20 million a year is is probably too much. Um, And he's a victim of circumstance as well. Uh, Obviously, he's he's not able to to meet with teams, but there's also still some, some good rushers that you could get um, a, a much more affordable price. So until Clowney sort of climbs down uh, with his asking price, I think we might expect him to be to be on the market for a little while longer. Yeah, and we're now at that situation where cap space is a little bit on the tight side until teams start moving on from players who have got no dead cap and can free up space. I mean, there's a large number of teams that have got under 10 million. There's less teams with more than 20 million in cap space this year than than, than less than sorry there's there's more teams under 20 million than there are with more so that adds to the problem because his market is just shrinking and when you look at the kind of edge rusher market it really does go anywhere from Khalil Mack at 23 and a half a year all the way down through the likes of Preston Smith and Carl Van Noy at uh, around 12, 13 million a year. So somewhere in the middle of that is a sweet spot for Clowney. But there's a lot of teams that right now can't fit him in without making serious adjustments to their roster and perhaps don't feel they're in the right situation right now to make those adjustments. So, Tom, do you have any any teams that you think might be targeting Clowney? I'd, I'd read somewhere this week that that um, a, a potential negotiation with the Raiders had fallen through. I thought that would have been a good fit. I, looking at the teams that, that, that could afford Clowney and, and would be in the conversation, I think of all the teams that, that are involved, I think the best result for Clowney is to return to Seattle. He might have to do it with his with his tail between his legs and, 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 and far less money than he anticipated. Um, considering the disruption with regards to the off-season, he'd probably, for, for his own career, be best off staying in Seattle, where he's, where he's comfortable with the way things work on that defence. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. One team I will just throw back at you is is your is your Jets, because you run a 3-4 scheme. That tends to suit Clowney in, in general. And, I mean, as as great as Harvey Lange is and uh, Jordan Jenkins are, they're, they're not exactly names that are going to stop Clowney from getting on the field. So would you see that as a potential 
place for him to come if if he's willing to to take the right amount of money to do it? Would you, would you want him as a as a jet? Oh, absolutely, at the, at the right price. Um, absolutely, because the the Jets are famous for not having a pass rush. Um, my only worry is, of course, three stacks last year. It doesn't exactly jump out to say that this is the guy that's gonna 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 fix the the issues. Um, if we're looking at sort of somewhere in the region of twelve to fourteen million a year, I think I think that's a fair price. I think the issue that the Jets have now is they're down to seventeen million in cap space, and there's still moves to be made at cornerback and on the on the offensive line. So Joe Douglas might think that the money's better spent elsewhere. Yeah, which absolutely makes a lot of sense. What about you, Steve? Have you got any teams that you kind of have your eye on where Clowney might be a perfect match outside of Seattle? Yeah, well, certainly. The, the, if you're saying that he's still looking for 20, if he is still looking for 20, well, that seems to admittedly go against the idea that he's dealing with the Raiders. But like you say, the teams we cap money outside the Colts and Chargers and put the Eagles aren't teams that are necessarily looking to compete immediately, other than maybe the Cleveland Browns, who probably don't want him in the locker room because he's a big character and they've already had enough trouble with like Sidell Beckham and other big characters in that locker room, both currently and before. So he do, he will have to, I'd imagine, look to put, go down to the kind of levels you were talking about in terms of financial muscle. And then you're almost talking at the kind of level where he's going to be part of a rotation. So it does seem, when you look at it properly, that He's going to find it difficult to get anywhere close to what he wants. Uh, like I said, the Raiders, like you said, look like a very good option. Maybe if he's willing to go in a three-man rotation and take somewhere in the region of 10 to 12 and really look to go to a win, and then possibly the Vikings. I wouldn't mind seeing him go back to the Texans, possibly, and go opposite J.J. Watt and then split some more snaps because because obviously they're, both of them are getting older and might be better off for the extra rest and be more productive in the field by doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Clowney's still only 27, I believe. So he's not by any means old or somebody that teams should be worried about for his age. He, he's, he's, he seems to have been relatively healthy. You, no, no immediate things spring to mind. A team that would be interesting just because they kind of penciled themselves into a win-now window is the Indianapolis Colts, whether they're looking to bring in somebody now. They do run, generally, from what I, what I see of them, a pretty, a pretty rigid 4-3. So they would need to kind of accommodate for Clowney. But you imagine Clowney on a line with DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston, and you, you think about trying to block that and where you're putting your blocking assignments on, a, on passing downs to work that out. And, and that could be a pretty pretty fearsome front line and could hide some deficiencies in the back half that include, while well, Xavier Rhodes is the headliner there, there, there's not a lot behind him in terms of cornerback talent. And generally, it would be really interesting, especially to see the types of Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker operating behind that line. I'd love to see him at Indy, but I think you've hit the nail on the head, really, that Seattle is probably going to be the best place just in terms of being able to showcase his skills this year. I think the bridges have been burned in Houston because obviously that would be a, a wonderful place to go back to. But 
it was such a mess when he left and and the way it was all handled and there was so much controversy over were they going to tag him as a linebacker were they going to tag him as a defensive end all of those kind of things will, will will factor into the decision he makes and i think it just makes the situation in houston untenable so for me if he's not going to go somewhere like indianapolis where he could have a one-year kind of contract for a team that has clearly shown they are they are looking to try and, and go for it all this year with the signing of philip rivers then I think he's got to he's got to go back to Seattle and try and make it work there for one year and then see what deal comes. He'll he'll still only be 28 this time next year. We're all expecting to find out more about the salary cap by this time next year. There's there's a chance we might see a dip in it, which is going to concern him in terms of taking a one year prove it deal and what what comes out of that because everybody's talking about the the cap jumping massive amounts of money coming in with this new CBA, but there's a real chance with potential for no fans in the stadiums this season that we actually see it dip quite a lot which would be really terrible for a lot of these guys that are hitting free agency next year because they will be sort of smothered into into lower priced contracts so it's going to be very interesting to see how the market for Clowney develops whether a competitive market develops or he just ends up being a signing that slips under the radar a little bit but what we'll do is move on now to another guy who Many people thought there would be a market for him when he was released by the Carolina Panthers. Now, injuries have been a problem for him, but Cam Newton is is not the same quarterback he once was, is he, Steve? He certainly isn't. And having watched him more than most, being, being a fan of a team in that division, I can tell you that having seen him in that Week 2 matchup, when we were very lucky to beat the Panthers, admittedly, because we were very poor at the start of the the season, but I'll tell you what, I I was more worried going to Tottenham about playing Carl Allen than I was Carl, Cam Newton because there is no throw power there at all. So obviously with everything, he can't if if there is any way that he can regain that possibly and re- recovering over the injuries, and there is no way for teams to be certain of that until they get him in the building. So I do not see him signing until such a point as they can get him in the building and goodness knows where when that's going to be no absolutely it i remember watching that week two game the next morning and i can honestly tell you that it was one of the worst football games i saw in the entire season the weather didn't help but (laughs) the quarterback play was was ugly and newton didn't help that situation his he didn't look right with his legs which didn't help because Teams need to fear his legs to some extent for his for for his lack of arm power now to work, and it's just we've just seen a general drop off in the last few years since since the year he posted seven point eight yards per attempt and a seven point one percent touchdown percentage, which is a, a ridiculous number. Um, he's only topped seven yards per attempt once in those next three seasons, and that was in 2018, and he's only got back over a touchdown percentage of five once, and again that was 2018. So it really does show that there has been a drop-off. And are we now reaching the point, Tom, where actually the best thing for Newton might just be to wait and wait and wait until somebody's starter gets injured in camp and somebody's desperate? Because you imagine if, I don't know, the Patriots think they have a chance this year and Stidham gets injured and they they, they flap a little bit knowing that Hoyer's probably not going to be the guy to take them to the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden there could be money there to throw at Newton. Absolutely. Um, I've spent a lot of time trying to think about fits for Cam Newton. He's he's not the Andy Dalton type of quarterback where you could 
drop him in as a backup a number of franchises and and every every team that I, I thought that Cam may be a fit this seemed to be set at quarterback or it wasn't necessarily a scheme fit so I agree with you there Ben that the, the best thing that can happen is that a team either loses a quarterback through injury or they go nothing and four to start the season um, and then and then Cam can can come in and try and rescue something um I agree with the comment about Cam's decline to an extent. I thought he, he had a better 2018 than than people necessarily remember. Um, but I agree with regards to the decline in his in his arm. Um, and it, it'll be an interesting one to see where he does go. But I, I agree with you ultimately, Ben, that the best thing for him to do now is, is to wait and give himself the opportunity to prove it on the practice yard. Let's now move on from Cam Newton and talk about some other offensive players that have yet to be uh, signed. Now, actually, I think we're going to spend longer on the defensive side of the ball because there's more names to talk about over there. But, Tom, were there any names offensively that stand out to you who have yet to be signed? Yeah, there was one guy that that stood out to me. um, And it was Carlos Hyde, believe it or not. Um, I was relatively impressed with what he did uh, Last year in Houston, I think that he could be a good complement as a as a as a second running back. Um, so I'm surprised to see that he's not been picked up. I know he turns 30 this year, and 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 that's a concern. Um, but last year he he carried the ball more than he had in his career. He had his first ever thousand yard season. Um, so I'm, I am surprised to see that nobody's taken taken a two year deal out on Carlos Hyde. Yeah, there was some talk actually that the Eagles are now looking into him as a, as that complement Jordan Howard type back for for Miles Sanders, which I, I think would be perfect for a second year back in Sanders to have that guy in Hyde that will take a portion of the touches without dominating because Hyde is is solid, but he's not somebody that's going to strike fear into opponents, I would say, and it and it gives Sanders that perfect change of pace type type back. Now I know there's fantasy owners of Miles Sanders out there cursing at that thought, but I actually think it benefits Sanders to not have all of the load on him because there's nothing else there in the Eagles backfield to really go in and, and, and take significant carries right now. So I think if Hyde is just there to take some of the load to go in sometimes on first down, he's a serviceable enough pass catcher that teams will still respect him being in there as a pass catching back. But he also can take some of the lumps and keep them off Sanders just so that the Eagles can keep Sanders healthy down the stretch. What about you, Steve? Is there any names on the offensive side of the ball that stood out to you? Uh, well, I'm looking at a guy that's just been cut by the Saints in Gary Warford. He wasn't quite as good. I don't think he deserved the Pro Bowl accolade he got last year, but he's still been a starter for a very long time on one of the very best offensive lines in football in the New Orleans Saints. And he's only been cut for cap reasons because the Saints do mathematical gymnastics to get under it every single year which as we're talking about the cap going down that might finally get to them but but certainly that every team needs or almost every team could do with an interior line depth and a warford could definitely provide that at admittedly a decent price but i there's several teams that any team that has any kind of cap room and is looking at making a run this year, I reckon needs to at least think about bringing him in because 
there's still plenty in that tank to be a good starter inside. And if you can get him for the kind of money, if you can afford to get him the kind of money to be your swing left guard, centre, right guard, he could be a very good player for you. Yeah, especially given that he is just 29 years of age. There's still there's still time left. And that the other arguably best interior guys left out there are Josh Klein, Mike Person, and Justin Britt, who was recently cut by Seattle as well. So definitely a standout in terms of what's around him. Now, Tom, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. I would also mention Devonta Freeman, who, while he's never got back to the heights of of his of his 2015 uh, 2016 season he he was he was solid last year with with the ball in hand he he did a reasonably good job he pulled in 59 of his 70 targets which is fairly impressive for 6.9 yards per reception um he seems a solid out of the backfield type type um pass catcher and it'd be interesting to see if he catches on anywhere in camp because i do still feel he can be a valuable contributor and the same goes for Lamar Miller but again that's talking about proving health because it's going to be very hard to sign Lamar Miller coming off an ACL surgery without seeing him first so I think if we do see training camps open and we see players able to go in to um, into locker rooms and stuff like that then I think we might see Lamar Miller get a couple of visits to go and uh, to go and kind of just test out and see if he can cut and do all the things that teams need him to do and the same there kind of goes for Delaney Walker so he's a very similar situation coming off a major injury teams aren't going to take a risk on him without seeing him especially given the fact that Walker's now 36. Tom do you see any of those three guys being a potential useful piece in the 2020 season? Yeah well I mean you're speaking to someone whose team's just signed a 37 year old Frank Gore so um, I'm, I'm starting to sort of look at the list of free agent running backs and, and wondering why why they weren't selected over Gore. Um, I, I agree with you about Freeman. I, I just edged with Hyde based on Hyde's last season performance. I think with the running backs again, they, they are going to get picked up, but it has to be at a time when they can get themselves a training camp and, and show that, like you said, like you suggested, that they've still got it. I mean, I'm just going to cut in here. You've got these guys are washed and they're they're free agent running backs for a reason. And we see every year guys that come in, they get drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, come in and have Pro Bowl seasons within their first two or three years. If you're if you're thinking you need to pick up some of these free agent guys for depth, you really don't. You know, I look at um, the Jaguars and obviously they've got um, Fournette there. Almost, it's very likely that they're going to move on. I think from Leonard Fournette. And then you're looking at, there's an undrafted free agent they picked up running back. I forget the name. We spoke about him in great detail on the latest College Chaps podcast. And he's going to win the starting job there in, in Jacksonville, I think. And uh, a lot of the beat writers are sort of saying. I just don't, I think these running backs are out there for a reason. In that I don't know if they can contribute in the same dynamic way that some of these rookies can. I think that's certainly the case, potentially for Freeman, but... I really do think that Lamar Miller, the injury plays a big part. I do think if teams could see him, he still had a bit of pop left. It's just a case that nobody can actually test him at him. But I do completely agree with you. The name of the person you are thinking of is James Robinson, because I just took him in the fourth round of a rookie draft. So um, I, I'm very, 
very keyed up on James Robinson. He is perhaps the, the most forefront running back name in my mind at the moment. And I completely agree with you, Alex. There are so many of these rookies that can contribute with pop and teams are willing to take a chance on them. But I mean, if Frank Gore can get signed, anybody can still get signed because Frank Gore looks like a bus that's broken down, but it's just sort of rolling down a hill occasionally when he runs because um, it's not pretty. So I, I think anybody's got a chance to be signed on the offensive side of the ball, but We'll move on to the defense in a minute. I just want to touch on the offensive tackles because there are a few of these guys. You've got Kelvin Beecham, who was with the Jets last year. You've got um, DeMar Dotson, who's 34, been released by the Buccaneers. So I'm just going to stop and ask you two guys. Tom, what do you think of Beecham? Can he be a contributor for a team this year? Or do you think, like Alex said with the running back, there's a reason he's out there and, and no one's signing him at the age of 31? Um, to be honest, if you were to look at the... If you look at Beecham as part of the Jets' offensive line unit, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near him. But from watching the Jets last year, Beecham was the the best by some distance of a, a particularly bad bunch. I do think that it is worth taking a swing on Beecham um, to add depth to your offensive line. I think if you're a team in win-now mode and you're sort of wanting to get yourself into, into the playoffs this season or, or, or beyond... I know the guy's 38, but you might see a team pick up Jason Peters on a one-year deal. Yeah, now Jason Peters is a great shout because it's a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge that it will come with him. And it, it's kind of the same with Dotson, isn't it, Steve? He He's never he's not a standout guy. That When you think of the, the great tackles that have played in the league, he, he doesn't come to mind, but he's done a very serviceable job for the Buccaneers, hasn't he? I've got the Jamar Dotson for most of the time he's been in Tampa because he came in, I'm not sure he, he might have even been undrafted, but certainly a late round draft pick if not. And he worked his way into a starting job and was a very serviceable right tackle for his entire career. And at the time we actually drafted Donovan Smith, I'd have been much happier if we'd have plugged him in his more natural right tackle spot at that time and given Dotson a chance at left. But certainly last year, there was a big drop-off in Dotson's performance and very quickly. We needed tight ends over that side a lot of the time and to help him out. And I'd have taken him back, maybe instead of Joe Haig, who we signed to basically be that backup tackle once we took... took worse in the draft but I think he can do a job at almost veteran minimum if you're looking for a backup tackle but unfortunately I know he's only 34 and we're talking about Jason Peters who's 38 but DeMar Dotson's drop off at, yeah, between 30, 32 and 33, 34 and Jason Peters between 36, 37, 38 is a big difference. I think Dotson is going to probably struggle to probably make a team unfortunately but that should not take away from the career that he's had yeah he's certainly an option but I, I probably agree with you I'd probably rather go Peters just because of the name and, and what he brings with it in terms of a locker room immediately the respect that they would they would show a name like that so with that, let's now transition to the defensive side of the ball. We spoke about Jadeveon Clowney, so let's pick out a couple of other edge edge rushers. And really, there's only there's only one other main name that stands out at, at the very top of it, and that's Everson Griffin, who 
has had his has had his problems, but he bounced back nicely last year. He played 15 games. He um, got got eight sacks and 24 quarterback hits. Um, not maybe as good as he he was in in his prime with the with the Vikings, but definitely a player that has has earned the right to have another chance and is somebody that is still able to get pressure on the quarterback, isn't he, Tom? Yes, and you mentioned before the possibility of, of, of my team, the Jets, picking up Clowney. I would edge more towards Everson Griffin simply because of last year's production, the leadership that he can bring to, to a locker room. Um, I know he's, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, but he's performed at a high level for, for, for some time now. And I think for Griffin, you might be able to get sort of maybe maybe a two-year deal. He could be looking for three, but I think a, a two-year deal would be would be most sensible. Again, he's the sort of player that that could go to to, to a range of teams in the league, um, similar to you know any defense that's wanting to get themselves into the playoffs. You could you could do a lot worse than than picking up Peppers and Griffin. Yeah, and he looks more of a general kind of 4-3 type guy. So perhaps that that's the contrast there, whereas Clowney's perhaps looking at 3-4 type defence. Griffin's perhaps looking a little bit more of a 4-3. He's a little bit older, but he's by far the best edge available here. You've got Cameron Wake uh, on there. You've got Jabal Sheard, Ziggy Ansah, who's past his best, Marcus Golden, Vinnie Curry, Clay Matthews and Michael Bennett. All names that don't really encourage you massively do they Steve and to some extent I guess that's going to help Griffin in terms of potentially what he gets paid because he's going to be able to point at what's around him and say guys I'm a lot better than, than the other guys you could sign certainly if somebody's on a contending team and loses someone in training camp so if he's willing to wait that's when he because of that he could make quite a bit of money but yeah I was just looking. I know he's not perfect fit, like you say, because he's more of a four-three guy. But I'd like to see him go to Tennessee. Uh, kind of play the kind of snaps that Jarrell Casey maybe did. And as you say, he's a, they got the money to pay him. He can, he'll be on a contender, and they'll have a role for him to play, even if it's not necessarily with it. He'd have to learn the system a little bit to adjust to him but there is a role and snaps that they've lost that they need a man to pick up and I'd love to see him go to that Tennessee defense because I just love watching that Tennessee defense yeah and they had Cameron Wake last year as well and they, they did something similar with Wake where they just plugged him in across that line and, and used him as a situational guy and Griffin would be great for that it's just whether Griffin wants more money than that that kind of situational role kind of asks for so of those other names i read out like mr offsides himself michael bennett um uh clay matthews vinnie curry cam white is there anybody that you think could be really valuable right now or do you think a lot of these guys now are potentially over the hill are you are you looking at somebody who could still be a splash player like clay matthews or do you think teams should should air tom towards the more safe option of say a jabal shid who who is who is solid without ever being spectacular I would err on the, the side of caution there, as as you've suggested. I think with with some of the some of the names you've you've mentioned, age and injury comes into play, and and sometimes it can become a very expensive gamble, particularly when the amount of times we've seen free agents signed to a team for for more money than 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 maybe they're perhaps worth, and 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 not perform. 
I agree with the initial comment that you made at the beginning that there is a real drop off after Clowney and Griffin. Um, I know there's answer and golden there that, that might be picked up. But I think for, for for the majority of teams, I think safe, sensible, boring strategy would, would probably be the best way to go about it. And again, as Alex alluded to, as running backs, youth can be really, really useful just in terms of keeping them on the field, um, being able to use them in a rotation kind of role, teach them a specific thing. The the younger players that are cheaper, that aren't going to command a veteran contract, are really useful in these in these more committee-type pass rush situations. So it, it's going to be tough for some of these guys. There are three names that are interesting along the defensive line that I just want to touch on, Steve, um, and that's Damon Harrison, Mike Daniels, and Marcel Darius. Do you, you mentioned potentially someone going and filling that Jarrell Casey role. Could you see one of them doing that for Tennessee? Uh, potentially, yeah. yeah. Of, no, of those, I, I'm trying to think which one I'd like the most. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, I think Mike Davis I might like the most there. Uh, yeah, but certainly one of them can do that. Uh, I think the other thing is, yeah, they're more, yeah, they're interior pass rushers, but they're more run stoppers. And as a result, they're going to get paid less because it's easier to find good run stoppers. So therefore, they might have to wait a little bit longer to be picked up by anybody. So again, we might be looking at waiting and a little bit longer for to see any of those go. Yes. It's certainly been a funny funny fall, in inverted commas, fall for Damon Harrison, who was not long ago considered one of the most dominant in that kind of position after Aaron Donald, up, up the inside of defences like that. And he had a bad year in Detroit after being traded and, and things have just not really progressed. I know, I know there was talk of retirement at one stage and maybe that's the ultimate route he goes down. Um, we'll skip the linebacker position because... Frankly, the options are, are pretty poor. We're talking Nigel Bradham and Darren Lee as the as the kind of top guys. And we'll move straight back into the secondary, where there are a lot of names. And there always seem to be a lot of names when it comes to cornerback um, free agents. But this year seems to be especially, especially bad. There's been rumours today that Logan Ryan might be signing with the New York Jets. So we won't spend too long on him. But some of the other names that are out there are Darquise Denard, Prince of Mukamura, Eli Apple, Dre Kirkpatrick, Tremont Williams. Um, then you've got it's a Tremont, Tremaine Brock and Tremaine Johnson. There's a lot of Tremaines out there. And then you've got some older guys like Brandon Carr and Akib Tlaib. So there's there's plenty of options out there, Tom, isn't there? But do any of them really, you think of them and think, oh, they'd be a great signing? Because I'm kind of struggling with all of them a little bit. Uh, well, of, of the... Of the cornerbacks, Logan Ryan is the one that stands out to me. Um, he will forever be etched in my memory as the man who ruined Tom Brady's final moment in Foxborough. So as far as I'm concerned, the Jets can sign him to a, a one-day $100 million contract and he can retire the next day if he want, if he wishes. Um, I would stay a million miles away from Tremaine Johnson if I was any NFL franchise. Eli Apple's an interesting one. I know he's bounced around New Orleans and 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 and, and the Giants. Be interesting to see if if anyone takes takes a gamble on him. And and a guy that could do a decent job for a year um, could be Mo Claiborne, who's just who's, who's had a, a, a an okay year at Kansas. 
Um, I know he's a veteran by now, but he he might be one that a team sort of picks up um, just just for depth. But as you've suggested, there there is some serious depth in the cornerback position, and and I expect a lot of those guys to get picked up on relatively cheap, reasonable deals as well. Yeah, you mentioned there Eli Apple, definitely an interesting name. I remember him being awful with the Giants, but then very serviceable with the Saints. Former. 10th overall pick out of Ohio State. He's definitely got the pedigree to be a contributor. Um, Steve, are there any names there that you kind of see catching on? And is there any that spring to mind of immediate places that really need to address cornerbacks? Now, I know everybody at some point needs extra cornerback depth, but really needs to upgrade their starting options. Uh, Well, I'm just thinking if what some of these older guys... Brandon Carr perhaps might be able to do as well as start maybe start opposite a young guy as well as teach him and I'm looking at Brandon Carr probably probably because I remember the young Aki Talib at Tampa who you wouldn't want teaching anybody but I'm I'm seeing Brandon Carr possibly start opposite Jeff Akuda and then he can help teach Jeff Okuda and then you've let Darius Slay go to, and replaced him with two cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly very that. interesting. And they've certainly got the cap room to do, make a move like that. And they do have to be better this year. Otherwise, there's a strong possibility. They still have to be very competitive this year as a team because otherwise Patricia and everyone's probably out of there. Yeah, now... While they obviously didn't play together, putting two Ohio State guys together in Eli Apple and Jeff Okuda would be really interesting as well because they've obviously played similar in a similar scheme in college and just maybe there'll be be so, something you can you can tap into. I, I know cornerbacks don't feed off each other so much, but you're absolutely right. It would be good to get a veteran guy, someone who's been in the league a while in there, if not. So that'll be a really interesting situation to touch on. Staying in the in the secondary, just to finish off here, and I just want to talk about Eric Reed. really. Still only 28, but feels like he's been around the league forever because of all the all the controversy that surrounded him and, and the whole situation. You've also got names like Rashad Jones, Tony Jefferson, Tavon Wilson, Clayton Gethers. It, it's an unconvincing position outside of Eric Reed, I would say, but... Tom, do you do you think Eric Reed could catch on somewhere, or do you think that kind of the scrutiny that comes with Reed and his his outspoken ways can can sometimes just mean that teams aren't willing to take the talent in this case without getting too into the political side of it? I, th- I think that that has definitely dominated the last few years of his career, um, regardless of of the position that people have taken on it. Um, I can't believe Eric Reed's only 28. If you would have, I would have, I would have stuck another four years on that. If you, if you'd have asked me to guess his age, so maybe there's some some NFL franchises doing the same and and, and think he's a lot older than than he already is. Um, the names that you mentioned after Reed don't really convince me too much. Um, so it doesn't look to be a position of of, of quality in terms of depth. So, I mean the, uh, I mean the uh, the tape that Eric Reed put on last year you could add about eight years to that age and it would look about right the reason he's still out there is because he was terrible last year he did not have a good year last year for the Panthers you know I did a bit of grading work um that I'm looking at for seven step drop with the with the safety class so shall we say in the NFL last year and Eric Reed was by far the worst graded starter that I had in the league 
he had a really, really poor year last year. Missed a lot of tackles, gave up a lot of touchdowns, really didn't play all that well. I knew mentioning Eric Reed's name would get Alex back on back on the microphone here. A, a, a little bit of a of a Alex's bugbear is is, is Eric Reed and him signing. But yeah, you're you're right. It, his play fell off last year. It's going to be really interesting to see. Have you got anything to add on the safety position, Steve? I was just going to say it's telling when you talk about Reed that given they've got the second most cap room in the league and and his former coach is there, the fact that Reed is not a Washington Redskin right now should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's very true. Um, it's probably pretty telling, actually. I know they've got they've got some some safety play there already, but it, it's not a position that stands out. And if Eric Reed's still out there, there's a good chance he is going to be for a while, um, unless he can get into a camp somewhere and prove that what happened last year was just down to some sort of injury or uh, an issue with the scheme. I think we could be looking at a guy who has 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 gone from the top of the position to potentially being out of the game very quickly due to a numerous amount of things and just bad play last year. The tape just, as Alex says, was ugly. And uh, if Alex tells me the tape is ugly, I 100% believe him because he is very very well versed in all of these type of things. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. It'll be really interesting to see whether we get any signings now or whether we're going to have to wait and see where the training camps open and what's going to happen. So before we get out of here, Tom, can you just remind everybody where they can find you and let, let them know of anything you've been working on recently? Yeah, you can find me um, at down the money road on, on Twitter. Um, I've currently been um, setting up a, my first dynasty dynasty fantasy league. So I'm, I'm writing uh, almost like a, a diary of what I've learned in a very short space of time. So that'll be coming out soon. We're also continuing with the uh, series of rookie articles that, that I've been helping you with as well, Ben. So look out for those. Yeah, it's a lot of fun what we've been doing with those rookie articles. I've really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to hearing, reading your Dynasty article as well. Um, as for these rookie articles that Tom touched on, just what we're just doing is taking some lesser known names and just shining a light on them using the prospect profiles that Cy Carroll put together for us leading into the draft. And then just talking about where they ended up and what what potential they've got going forward. So it's really interesting just to get to know perhaps lesser known names, whether it's on your team's roster or someone else's. Um, what about you, Steve? Where can everyone find you and what are you currently working on? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Steve underscore more 1988. That's M-O-O-R-E because <laughs> that's where most people fail to find me is by missing out an hour on it. Uh, I'm mainly on there talking right now about Euro 96 because of ITV <laughs> replaying all the games but and me watching all of them. But yeah, I'm currently working on an article looking at the supplemental draft and how and how that might affect things this year and a little bit about one of the biggest moves in the history of the supplemental draft in relation to it in the 1985 draft and that article will hopefully be finished and coming out relatively soon. Other than than that, I'm hoping to start, help start a Buccaneers podcast soon in relation to the Buccaneers official UK fan club. But other than that, just surviving lockdown. Sounds good, Steve. I'm really looking forward to reading that article. You've teased me with it a few times. I, I don't, I don't know the full extent of it yet, but I'm, I'm waiting now to read it because I'm really looking forward to reading it. Your, your articles are always 
very enlightening. Um, last thing, very quickly, is you can find me, as I said, at Benroll15. Please follow at the Touchdown NFL and please get involved with our, our daily quiz. I'm having a lot of fun coming up with the questions and seeing some of the answers, especially if I get an opportunity to troll some of my fellow Touchdown colleagues with the with the potential answers. So we will be putting the, the quiz questions up on the site at the end of each week so you can go back and see what anything you've missed and answer any of the questions, really, because just want it to be a bit of fun, keep you guys engaged, get you thinking. Most of it's going to be talking about the last decade for now, just so that it's fresh-ish fresh in everybody's mind and, and it kind of is easy for people new and old in terms of fandom to relate. I am going to be working on a team of the decade set of pieces, which is going to be digging into the stats and presenting each position individually, telling you some of the stats around the position and then why I've chosen the guys I've chosen. I definitely want to hear your opinions because the stats do not always lead you down the same route as some of the other places. So be sure to check those out. Of course, make sure you follow us at the Touchdown NFL. Make sure you follow at Seven Step Drop because Alex is doing great work there. Make sure you follow Alex at by Alex Chinnery because that's always entertaining. Um, and that's really it. So thank you again for joining me, Tom and Steve, and thank you for listening. <laughs>